yeah, it, it, it is like when you're a kid and you're in it, you kind of think, oh, this is kind of, is this, is this funny? (laughs) Sorry. Maybe even, um, wondering like, should I be scared? Like, like you kind of rely on your parents to tell you whether or not this is scary or not. Mm -hmm. And so when you're kind of feeling scared as a kid and then your parents are showing like laughter, it's really hard to kind of understand what's happening then within you Mm. because then you're kind of like well am I crazy yeah like because I'm kind of freaking out that there's like all these people with guns outside (laughs) of your hotel (laughs) of my hotel (laughs) yeah and a country I don't know anything about and um I'm kind of freaking out about it and feeling scared but then my parents are laughing oh so now I don't know what to do with it at Russian police raiding your hotel Yes, the Russian police, they raided the hotel. <laughs> they had ski masks on and like massive guns. And apparently there was like the mafia mafia wow. in the basement. I don't know. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. This is Cumin. This is Caleb. Welcome to Life Unwasted, a podcast where we look into our past to discover our present. Last week, I uh, told you guys we were going to be interviewing uh, an missionary kid from Mongolia who had written an autobiography about her experience in Mongolia just, uh, just after the fall of the Soviet Union. And uh, there was a piece of that book that I talked about last week uh, that had to do with the lies that we tell ourselves when we're a child um, in order to survive, in order to emotionally regulate, uh, to disassociate ourselves from the pain, uh, the pain of loss, the weight of our parents' ministry, um, the purpose behind, you know, where, where we're going, the traumatic things that we experience and how we carry those lies into adulthood and, um, how as adults, especially, uh, as we hit midlife, we really start to dismantle that in our brain and search for healthier ways to approach the relationships in our life. And so I referenced that, um, in, in Joy's book last week, uh, because that hit me, that hit me pretty hard. We are in our, fourth season of Life Unwasted. We are scheduled out for our fifth that will hit next year. Uh, We already have a lot of guests uh, set up. If you would like to be a guest, if you know somebody who you think would make a great guest, reach out to us. We're on Twitter, X. We're on uh, Facebook. Uh, We don't have a huge social media following or, or, or presence. You know, this really is kind of a guerrilla radio here. Um, we're downloaded in about 50 countries because that's how far spread our community is. It's really hard to find other NKs who um, are going through the same process of 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 deconstruction and reevaluation that that we all are. And uh, it's hard enough to find other MKs. It's hard enough to find other K- NKs who are kind of on this this journey um, of pulling things out from the past. Uh, looking at them with with our adult eyes, you know, with our grown up eyes, and 
looking at the pieces we want to carry with us and uh, looking at the pieces that are problematic that we need to process and work through. I have to say, uh, I have been reading uh, Joyce Molly's book. It's called Abraham's Daughter. And I can't, I have never read anything. I've never listened to anything that so eloquently ties together all of the different phases of the MK experience from, from childhood to uh, entering uh, new countries, um, seeing things that shock the soul, uh, experiencing the pain of, of loss uh, across both the MK experience on the field and then coming back to the United States, going through life, hiding it, and then uh, being hit by a wall uh, of, of, um, of emotion <laughs> of, I can't do this anymore. And then having to deconstruct that. I can't think of anything that I've read or, or listened to so far that so eloquently ties all of those things together with personal growth, as well as like current counseling, uh, therapeutic theory on how trauma affects you at a biological level. And so I've been truly enjoying this book. Um, if you're interested in it, please, uh, please look for it. But, you know, without further ado, I'd like to introduce Joy. Joy, if you could just give us a brief overview of your background as an MK, um, just the the dates, the planes, the trains, the automobiles of of your MK experience, just to kind of give people the backdrop, and then and then we can uh, get into uh, some other questions. Yeah. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Um, I, gosh, okay. So I didn't go uh, to the mission field until I was 10, which would have been 1992. Um, and we, we flew into outer Mongolia in 1992. Is it right after the fall of communism? Um, we'd been preparing. So my parents... My parents became Christians uh, through Calvary Chapel in the 80s um, and really quickly into their faith experience. They were like hardcore, like we're going to do missions. Um, and my dad, he really um, wanted to go somewhere that no one had ever been before. And Mongolia was on that list. And so we've been preparing to go. To outer Mongolia for a really long time, um, since I was like five, maybe even younger, maybe four. Um, and then when I was 10, it actually happened. And so we flew out in, I think it was September, 1992. Um, for the first time, I'd never been anywhere else in the world until then. Um, and I spent the years 92 through 99 in Mongolia. And then I spent one year, 99 to 2000, I spent in Thailand. And then 2000, I came back to the States. I have so many questions yeah. uh, to ask about <laughs> specific things in the book, but I kind of wanted to start off with, you know, this idea of trauma and unpacking the things that happened to you and understanding how it, it impacted your body. Uh, you talk about that being something that really hit you in, in 2019, 2020, kind of that, that time period, or maybe like, Oh yeah. yeah. Hold on. Mm -hmm. Uh, before continuing, can you give us yeah. a fuller picture of where you are at right now? 
you stopped at 2000, but after hitting, <laughs> after coming back to the States in 2000. Yeah, people always that's end 20 there. something years. <laughs> you know, that's 20 so, something years. Yeah. It, yeah and part so of it we, is, yeah. <laughs> and you touched on this in your book, everyone kind of stops when they get back to their home country, but yeah. that's usually one of the most traumatic ex experiences of the MK yeah. journey. And mm -hmm. human, I'm glad, I'm glad you didn't let us skip over that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So 2000, I came back to the to the U.S. to California, um, and I went to Biola University. Uh, I graduated from there in 04, um, and then got married in 05, and we traveled. We moved um, up to Idaho. I lived in Idaho, northern Idaho, for uh, seven years. That's where all my kids were born. I have uh, four kids. Um, born in Idaho. And then we, my husband is a pastor and uh, we decided to go overseas. And so we became missionaries and uh, lived in Indonesia. So we lived in Indonesia for four years until 20, gosh, I want to say 2018. 2018 is when we came back from the, from the mission field from Indo. Um, and so now we're in California, in Southern California. Um, yeah, back where, back where I was born. Yeah, that's okay. I'm glad we filled yeah. in those last details. Yeah. Um, uh, why, why, you know, 2019, 2020 comes up a lot. Um, what was it about that time period that really pushed you to write this, uh, autobiography? Um, so I had, I have always been a writer. So writing has always been something that has soothed my soul. Um, and when I put myself in therapy, um, it was really because I couldn't, I couldn't leave my house. Like I was so depressed and so scared all the time. Um, and I was seeing how that was wearing on my kids. Like they want to go out, like they shouldn't have to stay inside all the time. Um, and that's what really pushed me into therapy was the, the actual physical debilitation, like not being able to function, uh, the mm -hmm. way I wanted to for my kids, especially. Yeah. And why, why write a book? I mean, it's so hard as an MK to tell anyone your experience because it, it's a complex thing for other people to, to understand why, why write it down? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really like information. So I'm always trying to like compile information and understand stuff. And throughout my life, I felt like something was wrong with me, but I didn't know what it was. And I looked for the information and I couldn't find my story anywhere. Like I just, I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, and it was really hard to kind of piecemeal it together uh, from like a ton of different sources um, that had different experiences than I did. And so I wanted to write a book that I wish I'd had um, when I was trying to process what was going on. Um something that could kind of say like, 
these experiences you had were actually traumatic. And then that trauma has sort of caused these adaptations within you. And this is why you are the way you are. Um, yeah, because otherwise, like I was reading um, All Quiet on the Western Front. I don't know if any of you guys have read that yeah. book. But I was reading that book to my kids um, who are in high school. They're not little. Um, and I was like, why, why am I finding, why do I know what he's talking about? <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, why do I relate to this so much? Like this, this, like, yeah, it, it was causing my brain to be a little crazy. And so, um, I really wanted to write a book for MKs like me who were trying to figure out what was going on, but didn't have the story um, or the information to really understand it. One of the things you mentioned in your book is, is uh, I think it was during college or post-college, you felt like you wanted to be in an accident or something like that, or something that was physically traumatic, mm -hmm. just so that you could, you could tie the way that you felt inside to some sort of um, uh, traumatic physical event, which is something we've heard from other MKs. And, and I empathize, I understand as well, uh, Ben, um, uh, Ben 2.0 is an episode we did a few weeks ago. Um, and Ben talks about that, you know, putting himself in, in war zones and almost mm -hmm. wanting to have some sort of traumatic experience just to match and mirror the way he felt inside about the things he had experienced. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like wanting, um, yeah, wanting there to be like the physical expression of what the internal world is saying is true. Mm -hmm. Um, and then for me too, even just wanting attention, like someone pay attention to me, like mm -hmm. how hurt do I have to be, um, before somebody's gonna come and save me. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's maybe, um, you know, I have the advantage of having read much of your story. Um, let's bring our listeners back to Mongolia in the nineties. Mm -hmm. What was life like, uh, for an elementary age yeah. <laughs> kid going to Mongolia at a time that the, yeah. when the Soviet union had just fell and people looked at you, uh, white people and thought that you were Russians. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of the first things I learned how to say was I'm not Russian. I'm an American. Um, cause they weren't too thrilled with having anybody Russian there. Um, uh, but yeah, Mongolia was really cold. It was very cold, very extreme. And with the fall of communism, all the infrastructure had also fallen. Um, so there wasn't food, like we didn't have, um, like there was no food. Um, and it was all very rustic. Uh, we lived in the countryside for a long time with no running water, no um, indoor plumbing, you know, cooked over wood burning stoves. Um, and the just the country itself, like the world itself, the atmosphere itself was very angry, I would say. It was a very angry place. Um, there's a lot of violence, um, a lot of alcoholism, um, and, and not a lot of foreigners. Um, so we really stood out as sort of easy targets, I think, mm -hmm. uh, of that anger. 
Yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the <laughs> memories that, that you talk about that of course stands out to me is uh, your first Thanksgiving in country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. First Thanksgiving. And my dad, my dad went out to try to find food for us to eat and he got lost. He got lost on the, the buses and came back and uh, I think he had Snickers bars or something. And uh, we ended up eating just rice and ground meat. I don't even remember what kind of meat it was. It was just like ground up meat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So your earliest memory is eating ground up meat in Mongolia. Yeah. Is it horse? Yeah. Is it? Is it, yeah. it could any of it. It could be any of it. Yeah. Goat, whatever. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, mutton, was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 A lot of mutton. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But mm. horse and yak. We had yak, yak meat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ah. So th thinking back on that, that time now, like, um, and, and now putting, putting this out into the world to, for other people to, to hear about that very personal uh, personal experience, you know, I mean, food insecurity in a foreign country together with your family in this tight little bubble. Um, what do you think about that now? Or how do you, how do you process that now? Um, yeah, I mean, that, that was hard to process, um, because I mean, I, so I, don't, I guess I'm just going to say it. I think it's negligent. Um, I think that in any other circumstance, we would say that the, um, that it should not be that way, that parents shouldn't take their kids into positions where they don't have enough food. Um, and yeah, one of the questions I asked my therapist was like, what, what's the difference? Like, what's the difference between um, a drug addict, addicted mother who can't feed her kids and missionary parents who have put their children in a situation where they can't feed their kids. Um, and then coming to terms with the fact that there's, there is no difference in the experience of the child. Like the child doesn't experience it differently. Um, it was kind of a harsh, um, it felt harsh to believe that, um, but it is true. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And it's, it's hard as an adult, um, to accept that those experiences, the hardships that you experience as an MK are traumatic because, um, the things that you see in the world around you are so unimaginably awful. You know, there's a, yeah. a part in your book where you talk about uh, a child who's living on the street without parents and is like, you know, uh, things are not going to go well for this kid uh, alone with no support in Mongolia, uh, especially as cold as it is. And that brought up a memory for me. We, um, we had a lot of kids that lived on the street in our neighborhood. And there was one kid in particular that my dad would go out of his way to make sure he ate, you know, every day. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, he had one leg, you know, he was a amputee 
and he had a crutch and he would come by our house every day and he would come inside and he would sit just inside our gate because if he ate outside our gate, then the other kids would come and attack him and take, take his food. Yeah. And so once a day he got a meal um, until he just wasn't around anymore, you know? And I don't know, I don't know what happened yeah. to him, but there's a, a story very similar to that in your book. And, and so as you come back to the U S and as you're reentering society and you are literally teaching yourself how to navigate the world, you know, that, that, that compared to what you went through as an MK, what you saw as an MK is nothing. And the weird thing about the MK experience is you are privileged, you know, you do have food and you have parents and you have a, a warm stove, but, but you also experience um, no privilege because the life you're living, if you transported your life from Mongolia to Southern California, people would call CPS on your parents. <laughs> you know, when you say it was negligent, yeah. Like the way that you lived in, you know, in the context of America was a, a negligent uh, experience where someone would call child protective services yeah. on it. So how do you yeah. grieve that? How do you process yeah. that? <laughs> I'm still trying to process it yeah. <laughs> and grieve it. I think, um, it is letting go of this idea that there's like um, that your trauma is directly related to somebody else's trauma. Like there's levels of trauma mm. um, that somehow somebody else's trauma, because it's quote unquote worse now demeans or, or decreases your own trauma. Um, and also also learning, learning to really believe the story that your body is telling you, um, and your, your self thoughts. Like, um, if I'm existing as a person, as if I was neglected as a child, then it's probably safe to say that I was neglected as a child. Mm -hmm. If I'm living out, um, a life now, as if I was abused, then it's probably safe to say that I was abused even if I don't have quite the same stories as other people, um, if, uh, yeah, if the body is speaking in a way that's saying that you did experience neglect, that you were abused, that there is dysfunction in the family or missions can be cult-like, um, then I think it's safe to say that, that, that it's true. Mm. Um, and that's helped me a lot to kind of process the the reality so that I could find some healing. Mm -hmm. The the part of your book that I I talked about last week uh related to you know disassociating from your body came up because um we interviewed Preston last week and he grew up in Nigeria. And Preston uh, reference a, a, a previous episode where somebody mentioned that his sis, his sister, um, bit someone's finger, uh, when they were pinching her cheeks. Right. Oh, yeah. And, uh, we've talked about that a lot this season and, you know, uh, Preston talked about growing up with autism overseas and just the overstimulation of mm -hmm. all the touching and the, um, uh, and, and I experienced that as my, myself, um, you are this novelty and people feel permission to just put their hands all over you. And to this day, I have a, a reaction in my body um, when, when it comes to that stuff. And, 
you know, if that's there, then something did happen. You know, that doesn't just happen, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not like it's not like your body's making it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's responding to something in the past. Um, and so it can it can inform us about what what that experience was actually like for us. Cause I think when we're kids, and I don't know if you experience this or if it's the same for you, but as a kid, I didn't experience it. Like, I don't remember experiencing it the way that I know I experienced it as an adult, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. remember being really scared in my body, but the fact that like, when I smell smoke, I am really scared now and I can see that. Then I can be like, oh yeah, that's what I must have felt like as a child uh, Why in smoke? that moment. Oh, because of that fire my house burning down oh yes yes you will yeah. have to give us <laughs> yeah cumin and i know yeah we oh, know yeah. but yeah. our yeah. listeners don't I, yeah. you, you just said it so like matter of fact yeah. yes oh because my, <laughs> my house burned down oh, yeah, my house burned down um yeah, yeah. yeah. it's nothing my house burned down <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i i experience i still to this day i experience a visceral feeling of fear when I smell smoke because when I was 12 I had uh our house burned down um it was a fire caused by a candle that was lit in the attic and then it it just it burnt it it burnt it down and burnt everything all mm-hmm. my stuff and this was um, in Mongolia this was in Mongolia yeah yeah mm-hmm. 1994 I think yeah the piece that stands out to the way you tell that story for me that I so absolutely relate to is um, you go through that experience and then, you know, what is it that your parents tell you? What, you know, what, what, what was the reason your house burned down? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was in order to bring the community together. It was in order to build the church. It was um, yeah, it was for, it was for good. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So how do you, do as an MK, understand how? Oh yeah. Oh, so what was yeah, the no cause? Human. Ask that question. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was, was the, the cause? We ha- let's let's back up. Let's back okay. up for our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> what was the cause of the fire? Mm-hmm. The candle. Uh yeah, there was a um. So my brothers actually they heard uh, they heard birds up in the attic. And so they went up into the the rafters, really. They went up into the rafters with a candle. Um, and they just le- they left the candle there because they're kids. And it caught, we lived in a log cabin, so it caught the the rafters on fire. And it just burnt. Yeah. But that was for the glory of God. You're thousands of, of miles from yeah, home. You're standing there in your yard watching every last scrap yeah. of everything you own go up yeah. in flames. Yeah. For the glory yeah. of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So how is an MK, and, are you ever supposed to process a traumatic event if everything is spiritual, by, you know, that spiritual bypass yeah. happens yeah, you from can't. a very young age? Yeah, mm-hmm. you can't. Yeah, because you're, it's basically gaslighting, right? <laughs> Oh, it's basically yes. gaslighting because <laughs> you're telling you're telling kids that it's good that this is happening um and that god god wanted it to happen 
Um, yeah. So you can't, oh, you can't wow. be sad about it. You can't be mad about it. Um, was yeah. that the actual words used? God wanted it to happen. Um, no, probably not. God wanted it to happen more like, um, sovereignty of God and God's using this or God used this for a purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, and, and side note, listeners who are not MKs, you might think it strange that we are saying this in a playful tone and we're chuckling here and there. <laughs> This is how MKs just process horrible events in our childhood. We, we have to laugh it off. Come on. Okay. So give us room. <laughs> We're not weirdos. This is how just how we are conditioned. Yeah. It's funny because that, that happened in therapy pretty early on. My therapist called me out on it. She's like, you're saying some really intense stuff. Why are you laughing? I was like, I don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> Apparently this we know why you're laughing. <laughs> we do yeah. know. We do yeah. know. And that's and that's the follow-up question from that. Like, you know, so now so now you're in your life today. And you know, the, the gift of trauma is everything's funny, right? Yeah. Um, what's the flip side of not getting to process traumatic events and then carrying that into adulthood? How does that show up in your life today? Yeah, I mean it shows up in all kinds of sideways ways um i mean there's a lot of like not feeling very much of anything so not feeling very joyful or happy like things feel kind of numb um it means i could be really good in a crisis like if something was destroyed i'd be like okay but then if something really happy happened um i'd have a hard time experiencing that joy because because that might like more numb than anything else. Um, mm. Yeah. And I think the body too, like chronic pain, wanting to sleep all the time. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. um, <clears throat> And you guys, you got to go read the book. This is like, as I was reading this, and I want to talk about um, gatekeep being the MK experience and MKs being clicky, because that's something you mm -hmm. talk about in the book as well. <laughs> but as I was reading the book, I thought, man, there's nothing in my MK experience that touches half the crap that you talk about. Um, but, and I don't want to tell all the stories that are in the book, because you guys got to go read the book. But right after this happens, right after your house burns down, you guys go on vacation to russia in the mid 90s you know crazy time to be in moscow and you guys are staying at this hotel and a, a pretty crazy thing happens and you guys are just kind of laughing about it like oh yeah. oh the fun that we get ourselves into yeah <laughs> yeah 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 it, it it is like when you're a kid and you're in it you kind of think oh this is kind of is this is this funny <laughs> yeah <'Cause>, like <laughs> Yeah, because, and, and sorry, maybe even um, wondering, like, should I be scared? Like, yeah. like you kind of rely on your parents to tell you whether or not this is scary or not. Mm -hmm. And so when you're kind of feeling scared as a kid and then your parents are showing, like, laughter 
it's really hard to kind of understand what's happening then within you because mm. then you're kind of you're like right. well am i crazy yeah like because i'm kind of freaking out that there's like all these people with guns outside <laughs> of your hotel like, <laughs> of my hotel yeah and a country i don't know anything about and um i'm kind of freaking out about it and feeling scared but then my parents are laughing oh so now it, i don't wow. know what to do with it at wow. Russian police raiding your hotel. Yeah, the Russian police, they raided the hotel. <laughs> they had ski masks on and like massive guns. And apparently there was like the mafia mafia wow. in the basement. I don't know. How how old were you yeah. at the time? I was twelve. I would have been twelve. Well, you were yeah. you're not even a teenager. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, let no. me ask you this, Joy. Yeah. yeah. Now that your siblings and you are grown adults, do you ever get together and talk about this? Um, not really. Mm. No. Mm -hmm. No, we don't. Really How do you think that. they have processed events throughout their adult life? Um. Yeah, I I don't know because we don't we don't really talk about it. Oh. Yeah, okay. it's kind of okay. Yeah, yeah. I wish we oh. talked about it more, but we don't. Yeah, well, that is. like, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, that's pretty common. That's pretty common. One for a lot of folks just to block it out and not remember. We've talked mm -hmm. to so many MKs this season who, so many of their memories are just gone, and and you know, listening to other MKs tell their stories, uh, you know, it brings back a lot of things. Um, but it is, it's not normal to have huge chunks of your childhood completely blocked out. Yeah. That's not normal. <laughs> not you know? at all. No. And it's no. it's also not normal to not be able to talk about stuff as a family. And that's come yeah. up several times. I think earlier this season, Jen, and she was in Argentina, and, you know, uh, a guy was, you know, robbed their home and had a knife mm -hmm. to her or a gun to her mom's head. And then, and then after it was all done, she just went to school and they never talked about it again, you know? Yeah. Oh, the yeah. only, the only thing they talked yeah. about was it, it was as a joke when Jen's yeah. brother was like, yeah, I heard something downstairs, but I just thought, you know, you dropped something. Mom, and... mom saw a cockroach or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Mom saw a cockroach <laughs> and, and it was a family yeah. joke, but then yeah. so we listening to the story, it was like horrified. <laughs> So how does that? It is horrifying. <laughs> it but is horrifying. how does that show up in your yeah. relationships now, <laughs> in your family relationships, not being able to process that stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we're we're pretty distant, um, uh. and it's been that way for a long time. You know, I would say that even as kids, we were kind of islands unto ourselves. You know, not super connected. Um, and then when we went off to college. Uh, we just, yeah, you just kind of split, split up and then don't really see each other and connect mm -hmm. the relationship kind of dissolved. Um, yeah. So we're, we're, we're friendly, mm -hmm. but not super close. Mm, yeah. Yeah. We're in a tough spot here because as much as we want to hear so many stories from Joy, we don't want to give away the book. <laughs> we all want you guys to get the book and read the account yourself because the way Joy illustrates it, it's riveting. 
And mm -hmm. you have to just read several accounts many times over just to get the real feel of what's happening in her childhood. She does a wonderful job of time travel, going back and forth from her childhood to the present and just piecing everything together. You are a master storyteller. Thank you. But uh, on that note, I do, I do want to ask, uh, life's not all good. Life's not all bad. So while there, your life in Mongolia was not easy to say the least, but there could have been one maybe bright spot, a funny, funny story, meaning not we laugh it off, but it's horrifying funny, but it's actually funny kind of story. Do you have that? Do you have one <laughs> genuinely have funny one? story? Oh or uplifting gosh. story or one bright spot? I don't know, <laughs> to be honest. Uh -huh. Like, I, I wish I had one that just, like, popped in my head and was like, oh, my gosh, this was the funniest thing or the, the best time. Um, I, I really lived in stories. Stories were mm. like my, um, happy place. Um, and, and then it, it was, it was Mongolia as a whole in terms of like the, the air that I breathed, like literally like the air and the freshness, um, was very, was very beautiful, not very funny, but it was, it was beautiful mm -hmm. and life-giving and, um, yeah, something precious that I, I carry with me. I carry that memory with me. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. wish I had, I wish I had funny stories. <laughs> I, I do. I, do. <laughs> I, I laughed. I laughed at so many, I laughed at so many of your stories. Um, uh, it's it, it, some of the most horrible ones, and, you know, and cried at the same time. And, you know, there I forget which story it was that you, uh, maybe it was, maybe it was the, the, the Russian police, um, raiding your mm -hmm. home, yeah. uh, when you, when or your, your hotel, um, when you said, yeah, it's, it's like, it was good fun at the time, but it's not funny, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I know, you know, at work, um, uh, like I was at a work event recently and people like, Oh, you know, tell it, tell that, tell, tell this story or tell that story. Cause I love, I love telling stories, but, um, the humor behind them is really there to protect me from the pain of it mm. because some of these things were just deeply painful. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you do better now when relating your stories to other people right now that you've written the book or do you still find it difficult or do you still struggle when you do share your life stories from Mongolia with other people? Uh, I don't, I don't really have a hard time sharing them with other people um, in general. I have a hard time sharing them with my family. Mm -hmm. Um, but if it's with others, um, yeah, I found that, that I'm trying to collect my thoughts. Um, 
I found that through therapy, it's actually easy for me to talk to people now about other things. Whereas I think before I kind of got caught up in like trying to understand what had happened to me that, that I almost only wanted to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so now it almost feels like I'm free from it. Mm. Oh, joy. You can do small talk now. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Welcome to the world of small talk or welcome to America. Yeah. <laughs> I still hate small talk. Uh, there, there is one one kind of through line um, in the book that I think you weave really well into things. Um, and you know, trigger warning. Uh, you know, in the book, um, you know, joy. You discuss um, uh, a cutting. You discuss um, uh, suicidal ideation and and a lot of these things. But I think. Uh, the the way you described wanting to inflict pain on yourself and how that was tied to uh, regulating your nervous system, you know, over and over again, you talk about how your nervous system was just overloaded. It was tattered and torn, dysregulated. You weren't even necessarily aware of it for so long, but um, being able to, uh, you know, stimulate your nervous system through uh, through pain actually helped you regulate it. And, um, I, I think that, um, that through line of like learning to understand and unravel how your trauma has impacted the way your, your, your body, your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system works, um, was really informative to me. You tied those things together so well. And I'm wondering if you could maybe talk a little bit about what that process has been like for you learning to read and understand your body. Yeah. Okay. So, (laughs) so the process actually started because, um, I have one of my kids is pretty highly sensitive. Um, and one of the things that was really important to me, uh, when I became a parent was attachment. That was like, I was like, I'm going to, I want to attach to my kids. Like that's what really important to me. And so, I did a lot of research. I read a lot of books um, just about attachment and how does attachment happen. And um, and so a part of that was reading through what good parenting looks like and then finding out that like um, that when a child is uh, stressed or overwhelmed, that it is the parent's responsibility to regulate the child. Um, to help them regulate their body and soothe the nervous system. And that really got me thinking about my own. So like then as I was having my own physical reactions, then I was like, what is this? Like, how do I regulate this? How, um, how do I um, soothe myself? Um, And then, and then from there I could backtrack and be like, oh, this from my past, this is how I was regulating myself from my past. Um, This is why I was cutting. Um, And then I could see like, oh, this is why I threw out my back. This is why it all has to do with that like high stress nervous system that never had an opportunity to be soothed. Um, Yeah. I don't know if that answers Mm. the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. like you've done so far you have answered our questions perfectly okay. <laughs> so yeah the yeah. the and i'm going to read a a, a a just a paragraph from your book i think that relates to that um it does us no good to continue to treat ourselves in the way that we were treated as children to continue to demean our own experiences, to push down our feelings, to ignore the nerve endings of our bodies is to perpetuate the belief that we are not worthy of love or sacrifice and that our own needs, our own bodies hold no value. Instead, we need to find ways to hold ourselves close and comfort the children within us, giving them the value and the love that they need, but did not have. I feel that there's, you know, one of the things we do a lot in this show is, is, uh, have conversations with our past selves. You know, we think of those, those kids in that moment, you know, and I, I think of you standing there watching your home, um, burn down or, um, uh, being in the market for the first time and being pushed and shoved around. And, you know, almost there was, there was a, a, a moment where you almost, um, got, pushed out of a bus as yeah. your, your parents were in it and the doors were closing behind you and you almost got lost in the city. You know, if you could go back and, and talk to that version of yourself, you know, what, what would you say mm -hmm. to joy? The first thing that comes to mind is um, it's okay. You're not crazy. This is scary. Um and bide your time because one day it's going to be okay. Um, mm. Yes. Yeah. I think that's what many of our previous guests has told their younger selves too. Mm -hmm. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of people Although, just want to hold themselves, yeah, you know. Right, yeah. that's true too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, a lot think, of that, right? Everything, everything I wish, everything I would do for my kids, I wish, I wish had been done for me, <laughs> or I wish I could uh, do for myself. Uh, which is validating the, that the fear is yeah. real. You know, yeah. the, the way you're you know. feeling is you're scared. You should be scared. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're hurt. You should be hurt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're uncomfortable, or the way that you know these adults are treating you is shitty. Yeah, it is shitty. You know, just mm -hmm. feeling validated would have would have meant everything mm -hmm. to that mm -hmm. former version yeah. of me yeah and on the other hand you are being an excellent parent you're being a wonderful mom to your parents uh, the body is weird we grow up under stressful conditions and we think that we're not gonna repeat those same mistakes if we become a parent ourselves but because we've grown up a certain way, sometimes we just automatically repeat what we had as a child. And that's how abuse becomes generational. But you've broken that chain in your own life. And you're not giving what you got as a child, but you're giving something much, much better. So you are, are a wonderful mom. And kudos for that to you. Thank you. I um I did take my kids overseas, which is my one regret that I did that. 
<laughs> oh, oh, but, to Indo. Yeah. yeah, to Indonesia for four years. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I wish I could be. I wish I could go back and and change that. I wish I wish I had been. I wish I had been more whole. Mm. And made a different choice in that. Um, yeah, but I I also do strongly believe that we can be cycle breakers, mm-hmm. and that it it takes. Uh, courage and a lot of hard work to break the cycle of abuse and neglect and um, that we've experienced. So I think it's Mm. possible. I, I am definitely not a perfect parent. I know, but I know the difference. (laughs) What's going to be different when my kids after they've gone through therapy and they come back to me and they say, Hey, you know, (laughs) this thing that you did was super crappy. I'm going to say, yeah, I wish I had done better and I didn't, and I'm sorry. And, um, like I, uh, I, I, I can't tell you, um, I'm not, what I'm not going to say is you don't know how hard I had it. You know, I'm not going to say, uh, I did the best that I could, you know, um, uh, I'm just going to own it and not gaslight them yeah. and, and validate, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, validate that their experience was crappy. And, you know, and I was the adult that would, should have been more mature. Mm-hmm. Mm. You guys are both yeah. splendid people. You know that <laughs> Caleb and Joy, <laughs> uh, you are rare gems in this world. If all parents were like you, children, would not have to fear for their future and would grow up in such mm-hmm. a lovely environment. Well, so. I did. Oh, right back at you, Cumin. Serious. And here's the thing. You, you gave me a compliment and I can't, you know, I can't, I don't feel those. <laughs> I, I can't feel validation because I can't imagine someone, you know, I know you're saying those words, but I can't imagine you actually meaning that. And so now I'm deflecting. <laughs> I'm deflecting, you know. Yeah, Caleb, um, you do have to practice. You have to yeah. practice. Here's a weird thing. Here's a weird fact, Caleb. I'm sorry, Joy. But Caleb, you you told me last night, miss you already. And I was like, I don't believe you. I didn't I, I didn't know. write back, but it that, that thought just went through my mind automatically when you said I miss you already. I'm like, I don't believe you. I was, I sent it as a joke. So Joy, just to fill you in, I want, I want to ask you this question just because this came up, um, uh, last week, which is actually last night for us. Cause we recorded Preston's episode last night. Um, so do you miss people? Like, do you feel a sense of missing people? I know, I know you love people. I know you think of others. I know that when you're away from people, you think of them and you think about what you're going to do and you're going to be with them. Do you feel a sense of missing others? No. Same. Oh, I think, (laughs) I think, I think it's going to be different with my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Only because, only because I really don't want them to leave me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think I'm going to miss my kids, Yeah. but, um, but no, no, when, uh, when people aren't around, I don't miss them. Yeah. So I, so we talked about that last night, Cumin and I talked about it a little bit more. And then after we got off the phone, I sent him a message and I said, miss you already. (laughs) Um, 
And, and then I went and talked to my wife about it. And I said, you know, I don't miss, miss people. And she said, well, like, what do you mean? You know? And I said, I'm not a sociopath. It's not that I don't love people. It's not that I don't think about them. It's not that, you know, it's not that they're absent from my mind, but I never have a feeling of missing people. I remember it. I remember as a child, the longing. I remember having a feeling of missing my grandparents, having a feeling of leaving one place and going to another. I remember my freshman year of college missing my former life as an MK and how painful that was. But there was a time in my life where that just got burnt out. That part of my brain doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can remember a specific time uh, that my parents left to go back overseas. And I would have been, I think I had just graduated from college. And I remember them leaving and I was crying in the driveway. And then I told myself, okay, I'm done. And it was mm-hmm. like a, a switch. Like I had flipped a switch and then it was just gone. Like there's no emotion, no crying. I was like, I'm done. I'm just not going to feel this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that becomes normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, it does. The, yeah. The off switch. Yeah. And then joy, what we talked about yesterday was, um, you know, at work, it's all about company culture. And my, my boss, um, who's the CEO said, um, you know, belonging, we want people to have a sense of belonging here. And you know, you belong when you're missed when you leave. Mm-hmm. And it's baffling to me because I can't imagine like in my head, I can't imagine someone having a feeling of missing me. Totally. So how could I ever yeah. feel that I belonged anywhere? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, wow. even as you just said that, even as you just said that, I'm like, I don't think anybody misses me. Right. <laughs> like, I don't ever have that. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't even have the feeling that people want me somewhere. Like when yeah. I get invited mm. places, I'm like, oh, they're doing that because they have to. <laughs> they have to. Yeah. <laughs> Not because they actually want me to be there. Oh no, Joe! We want you to be here of <laughs> all means. Uh, we tried and, and hard that's to what, get you on our. And that's what my show. wife told me last night. You know, I, I go on work trips. I go on a fair amount of work trips, and she, you know, she said, "You don't. Do you understand that when you're gone, like the kids sleep in bed with me because they miss you? You know, like, like, like we feel that. And 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 as she's telling me that in my head, I'm thinking, I don't know what you're. Ta- I remember yeah. feeling that when I was. I I can't now. That part of my brain, I shut off. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Let's work to turn it back on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, yeah. you both yeah. are wonderful yeah. people, yeah. and and many people miss you and want you in their lives. Yeah. I being one of them. Yeah. But it really. it speaks to and Joy. I want to throw it over to you how our brains have been mapped and wired. Mm-hmm. And you talk about that a lot in your book, how the grooves, the, 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 uh, the, um, you know, the carpet, uh, the pathways in the carpet that are well-worn in your brain, um, uh, lead into this feeling of, you know, adhedonia or like loss of pleasure, those sorts of mm-hmm. things. So, you know, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on what we just talked about. Yeah. I mean, the, not missing um, and not feeling missed. I think all of that is 
natural considering what we grew up with. Um, that's one of those things like where I would say, like, if I look at, okay, I feel like I don't miss people um, and I don't feel like people miss me, then that's probably telling me something about attachments. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's probably something disrupted in my attachments. Um, and, and, and that was created somehow, like somehow the attachment was broken, whether it was from the time you were an infant or whether it was because of all the times you had to move. Um, and not even all the times you had to move, but all the times people around you moved. Um, so you, that you just stopped feeling it because it was unbearable. Mm -hmm. um, at some point, at some point, I remember talking um, to somebody years ago, um, just talking about how at some point, like you can't feel all the losses or you would only feel loss all the time because, yeah. because it just keeps, it's like every couple of months, something awful happens. And at some point you got to be like, I can't, I cannot feel all of this. And so I have to mm. stop it from I just have to stop. Otherwise I, I die. You would oh. die. And and that yeah. kid would, that kid would die. And yeah. the way that you talk about that process in your book of like a child, you know, um, figuring out how to cope with an unimaginable thing is a wonder, mm -hmm. you know, and I never thought about it that way mm -hmm. that my little childhood self. And that meant a lot to me. Like, Dude, you fucking dealt. I'm sorry yeah. for anyone out there that is enjoys family who or or friends who are listening <laughs> to this podcast. Sometimes we sometimes we swear. Um, you fucking got through some shit, dude. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like like yes, it had a, a impact on you, but like <clears throat> when I'm traveling for for work, like I'm I'm dialed in. You know, when I'm away from people, like there is a superpower that goes mm -hmm. along with that. But at the same time, the the flip there's a flip side of that coin, which is I have to learn how to how to uh, miss how to miss people and yeah. carry that feeling with me and not let it destroy me. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And even for myself, like as you were talking about your kids coming into bed with your wife, um, even even wanting that, like, like, oh, that's a that's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful thing to miss somebody. Yeah. And so learning even mm. to desire it again, like to have that desire, like I want to miss my husband when he's gone. Like that's, yeah. I want to do that. How do I cultivate that feeling again? Um, with the understanding that this is something that I desire to have. It's yeah. not something that's being forced upon me. It's something that I, I want. I want that. Uh, that I'm strong enough to handle something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. That it isn't going to crush me like, um, like mm -hmm. it would have when I was young. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Time yeah. flies. We are. Time flies. Yeah. We're at we're, the end of our hour. <laughs> an hour here. Feels like, like did... we haven't gone through about 10%. Yeah. We haven't gone we... through hardly anything. Yeah. I did. Um, yeah, really. I wanted to, like I mentioned it at the top of the show, um, that 
MK's gatekeeping, the MK experience, you know, and the MK hierarchy and the MK uh, clickiness that goes along with that. You went to Biola. Uh, you you're the same age, the same year that I am. I have friends that a lot of friends um, from the Philippines, uh, Faith mm-hmm. Academy that went to Biola, probably yeah. that were in your class. Yeah. Um, and they've talked about uh, you know there was a there was an MK group at at, at Biola. Yeah. But uh, we've had so many MKs come on this show who say. Well, I was only on the mission field until I was in seventh grade or eighth grade. And so I'm not a real MK or, you know, I, I started MK later uh, and I only went for like two years of high school and then I came back and what you said earlier in this interview and you, you talk about it in your book. um, If you feel (laughs) the things that we're talking about, if you're connecting to the things we're talking about in this show, uh, the way that experience impacted you. Um, you know, you are an MK, you know, own it and wear it proud and don't let anyone else make you feel shitty about what you did or did not experience because you had zero control over it. (laughs) You were along for the ride, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I was told, I think, Within the first month of being in Mongolia, I was told that I wasn't a real MK, that I wasn't a real missionary kid because I was so old and I'd only ever been to one country. Huh? And and I believed that. I believed that for some like 35 years. (laughs) Or not 35 years, maybe 25 years. (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah. Who would say such a shitty? Oh, my. (laughs) A kid. Oh, my. You know? A little, a, a little kid. kid. Yeah. Another yeah. kid. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I get why. But he why. had to be fed that. Yeah. By some yeah. adult. Yeah. Yeah. I get why wow. M- MKs yeah. can be pretty, you know, that kid too is go, you know, think about what that kid is going through. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that kid's yeah. trying yeah. to hold on to their identity, you know, mm-hmm. and this thing that yeah. the status, this tiny little bit of status yeah. that they have. Yeah. And um, they're just a finding, kid. Yeah. Finding their own ways to cope. Yeah. 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 Well, I am I am so glad though that you you had the courage. It was very brave of you to write this book, to pen these experiences down. It's going to be trem- it has already been tremendous help to those who've read it and it's going to continue and be a tremendous help to those who are going to come across it in the future. Thank you, Joy, for coming on as a guest. You are already missed. <laughs> no, thank you for having me. Yeah. Mm. Any let's get fun. we've we've yeah. we've we've gone we we kind of diverted from I don't feel like I let you tell much of your story. Is there mm-hmm. is there a final memory um that that you wanna uh, uh share with us or with, with all the uh people li- listening to this episode? Is there a, a final story that you'd like to talk about or a final thought? Um maybe Maybe a final thought. Um, you know, growing up in the Christian world, uh, they, there's a lot of talk about miracles um, and healing. And um, what I've learned over the last, I don't know, five or six years is that miracles and healing do happen and can happen, but they take a lot of hard work. Um and that we're not stuck with what we were given that we can actually we can actually hope for something that's so much bigger 
and more free um, than anything we expect. Um, yeah, so so hope hope in the fact that there is healing when we're willing to face to face our own demons and our own memories and mm -hmm. um, and that there's something really beautiful out there in the world when we mm. um, when we can seek it and find it. <laughs> well, there you have it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that, that's that what is we're going to say. Things. What are we, we going to say? Go hope. Go hope. At the All end, right. we're going to say go hope. <laughs> go hope. All right. So, you know, and, 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 and Joy, I just want to say as kind of a, a final thought here, um, uh, that's one thing that has really impressed me with the way you've processed your missionary kid experience is you do talk about your faith the whole way through. And, you know, one of the things I found, um, uh, doing as many interviews as, as we've done. I think we're over 60 interviews or something like that. Um, there are, we don't find a lot of missionary kids who, you know, still hold their faith or are still in the faith who are willing to really dive deep and talk about, you know, the joy and the pain of the whole experience. Mm -hmm. Um, you see that a lot with folks who have deconstructed, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, have left the faith and end up agnostic like me. Um, however, I think that the way that you tie your faith back in to your journey and how it was always there, but, uh, the adults in your life and the mission board, the sending agency, their motives were not in alignment with, um, uh, with, uh, you know, uh, Jesus and who, what Jesus stood for. And, uh, and, uh, and you so clearly identify that and how you were able to keep your faith the whole way through. Um, so that, that is absolutely one of the things that, that uh, impressed me with your book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I was very close. I was very close to losing my faith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. So yeah. I would yeah. imagine. So yeah. <laughs> All right. And, Q. Yeah. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it isn't the same as it was. Mm -hmm. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Before we queue up the closing song, I'd like to tell our listeners, this is our season finale for season four. Like Caleb shared with you at the beginning of the show, we have much more in store for you coming season five. We have mm -hmm. many guests lined up, and we're also planning something in between seasons this isn't what we've done before but oh, you yeah. might catch us in january mm -hmm. or february in between seasons so you can look forward to that caleb and i enjoy making this podcast together tremendously and i think more than any of you listeners or our guests we are the ones who benefit the most of this yeah. whole unique experience we've grown, grown so much as people as individuals we've found out so much more about ourselves so we do encourage you listeners out there if you know of any other mks who need an extra dosage of healing in their life this is the place to come this is the first ever time that i have actually publicly bragged about our podcast but yeah it's worth showing off <laughs> thanks to our guests Thanks to, oh, thanks to our yeah. guests. Thanks to our guests. Oh, yeah. yes. Uh, yeah, so it is much. a 
we do need to, uh, I, I forgot this is our last episode. I want to thank all of our guests. I want to thank um, everyone who's been listening. The themes that have come up this season, you know, especially themes around autism, neurodivergence, um, themes around, you know, disability on the, on the mission field and not receiving services. And then, um, you know, finding out later in life that, um, uh, you know, getting that late, late in life diagnoses that really help you, you know, look back at your missionary kid experience and realize that like, you know, you weren't the problem. You just didn't need, didn't get the mental health resources that you needed. Um, we talked to an M, uh, MK that was in a closed country, you know, and uh, that was um, a very unique experience. So for all of you MKs out there that had to live double lives like secret agents, you know, your your uh, experience is very unique within the MK world. Um, you know, most undercover agents get years of training and then years of therapy afterwards. Uh, so you MKs that were children in home countries who had to lie to everyone around you about a double life that your parents were living. Um, that's a special specific trauma that you went through and, and we see you. So, um, yeah, I just want to thank all the MKs around the world that, that have made this possible. We love you guys. And, uh, we'll see you in, in January ish, you know, whenever we decide to do another show, um, uh, we have season five coming, but like Kevin said, we got a couple of ideas for some, uh, in between, uh, episodes. Awesome. All right. So All right, let's hit la- the final last song. question. Why oh, f- why mm. uh carry on my wayward son? Why why this song? <laughs> why this song? Because I really yeah. like Supernatural, the show. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. This song. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I really like the yeah. That's basically the reason. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you love escaping <laughs> into stories, and that is I a do. show. Right. I'm yep. familiar with that show. It's yeah. a wild escape from yes. reality yes <laughs> and what are we saying at the end uh q what are you saying joy go hope yes go hope. that's what yeah. we're saying that's right all right i'm gonna play some of this song once i rose above the noise and confusion just to get a glimpse beyond this illusion i was soaring ever higher All right, Q. On the count of three. One, two, three. Go hope. Go hope. <laughs> Go hope. <laughs>